Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Roundup on this Monday morning. Thanks for tuning in on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brizzy. If you've joined us on the Gold Coast, good morning to you and across anywhere around the world on the SEN app. Come and be part of the show this morning because we have got a lot on the list. 0457 736 736. We'll take your text messages and we'll take your calls on 1300 01 1170. James Horwell, former Wallabies captain, will join me a little bit later on in the program as the fallout continues. And it is rapid, folks. Off the back of the Wallabies getting dusted up by Wales this morning. 40 points to six. It's bigger this one than just... A heavy loss, their worst loss at a Rugby World Cup. It's got ramifications that are rumbling. But it's grand final week, Matty Johns. Good morning to you, mate. Uh, happy grand final week, uh, Matty. It, uh, fantastic. Great week coming uh, ahead for us. But, uh, yeah, I watched the Wallabies this morning. Uh, boy, oh, boy, pretty grim stuff. Pretty grim. It was hard. Old Eddie, mate, he's under the pump. <laughs> and uh, I believe the press conference was pre- uh, pretty eventful where he went in and basically said when they were asking about the uh, the rumour around that he, uh, well, I was going to say audition, but interviewed for the Japan job before the World Cup, and he said, one more of those questions and I'm walking out. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting few days. Well, he might be walking out. I mean, that's, that's the thing about it, which yep. would be a bizarre exit so quickly, given how much that they've invested into him, how much they've spoken about the next cycle that he's there. Until, I mean, it is... It's extraordinary the way that this one will pan out. And I've got to say, I think that that crazy madcap, which is Eddie to a T, exit and um, press conference that he staged at the airport on the way out to this is going to come back to bite him because the the facts around this Japan audition, as you put it, (laughs) um, going to speak to them via Zoom before a couple of weeks before the first match, two days before the first warm-up match, those details only come out because journos are going sniffing and journos had enough of him yep. by the time he left. I'm not saying that journos are responsible, but, man, there's a lot. What, a, what an absolute mess. That was their one chance to fix it, Rugby Australia, and they've, they've dug it into a further mess at the moment. And you're right, Matty. You said a few weeks ago, if this is an un- unsuccessful World Cup, then he's going to get a bit of a uh, kicking from the press, Eddie. You know, it's a little bit like... I remember the uh, the late Alan McMahon, who was the first ever coach at the Newcastle Knights, and he came up and had a talk to him. He spoke to me before my first grade debut, and he wasn't the coach then, but he had some advice. He said, Matty, along your career, he said, there'll be a lot of good things that happen to you. He said, but you've got to be very careful. He said, if you kick people on the way up when you're on the way back down, he said, they'll kick the shit out of you. And I did want to say that there's no better way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's going that's what Eddie's got ahead in the next couple of weeks. Well it's funny you use that word because I thought, you know, what what summarizes where they're at and it's an S fight at the moment, <laughs> unfortunately. So we'll look, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program. But it is grand final week and we'll get your thoughts on what uh, transpired across the weekend, what's going to happen this 
uh, Sunday night. And, of course, Dally M's this week as well. But I want to touch on your grand final week experience, Matty. It's a different week. You, yes. you can sit around, I'm sure, mate, and say it's just another game. But it's not. And the, and the week determines that, doesn't it? Absolutely, Matt. And, and, and it's a mistake going into this week, in my opinion, saying, hey, boys, it's just another week. Look, it's really interesting. If you try to avoid the hype, it'll, it will takes more energy to avoid it than just enjoy it. When we when we made the grand final, we built Norths to get us, uh, to get through. And the Sunday after the match, we went and we had a rehab session at the ground, and five thousand people turned up, right? And which was just a little bit of a sneak preview of what the week was going to be like. So the coach pulled us in, the great Malcolm, really. He said, boys, there's two ways we can do this, right? He said, we can try to escape all the hype and bunker down, or we embrace it and we enjoy it. And we went for the latter. And it was one of the greatest weeks of my life. Is It was the hype around the town. We had appearances to do, but every, everywhere we went, Matt, there was goodwill. Our last training session at the ground, there was almost 20,000 people turned up. And it was just, it was crazy. Uh, 30,000 people saw us, you know, waved us goodbye up the highway. And it was just, it was just fantastic. The whole experience, it, it was great. The grand final breakfast, we went down there, the grand final breakfast, it was just tremendous. And that's what it's about. You know, it's, it's about enjoying it. And, you know, it's such, I've seen teams before, you know, it's famously the, the Parramatta sides that were beaten, uh, that were beaten in 2001. And Brian Smith was big on, you know, now get away, get away from all the hype. It takes more energy to do that. Like, it, it's just, it's a great week in your life. Why do you try to avoid it? Did you ever think, though, that you you might have got to a point where it was too much, where, where you thought you were going to be tired going into the game? I mean, bizarrely enough, speaking about the Wallabies, a lot of people, and me included, sat there going, they just look so flat. For a match that they had to win, they looked as though they had all the life sucked out of them. Did you ever feel leading into that 97 grand final that you'd done so much and you had embraced it, but, but geez, I might be running out of gas here? Not for a second, Matty. Not for a second. It was, um, I woke up the morning of the game just feeling fantastic and all the players did. We all went down to breakfast and were that excited. Um, not for one second did we feel pressure going into the game. Not for a second did I feel fatigued. There was not one thing in that week that I felt was a chore. It, the whole the whole experience was fantastic. We couldn't have done it better. What about the opposition? Did you notice anything from Manly yes. that said to you, "Hang on a second, there's a there's there's something different going on here"? Absolutely. the The footy show had their grand final. Um, the the grand final night we sent. I think it was might have been uh, Chief and and Billy Peden down. And it was, you know, always that grand final footy show was always a really big one. Uh, when Chief and Billy Peden walked out, big cheer from the crowd, and they, you know, smiles in their face. And then Terry Hill and Beaver walked out, and the, all the the crowd booed. Right, and I was sitting watching at home, and I could just see, like there was a shocked look on their face. Um, it was, I I just saw a, a little bit of vulnerability there, and I saw a little bit of. The, at the uh, the grand final breakfast, Matty. I mean, you got to like going into a grand final in a really big match. It is a luxury to be the underdog, and you go in there. You don't feel the same pressure of the favourites, 
And I could see that just way on Manly. What what happened as well, Matty, it, and it can't be underestimated what the Roosters did for us that year. So we play North Sydney on the Saturday. We win in a really close game in the wet. The following day, right, we do the rehab in the morning and we're sitting on the lounge and we're watching Manly play the Roosters. It was one of the great finals games that's been forgotten. Manly beat the Roosters, I think it was 17-16, but the Roosters just took them all 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 the way. The game went the distance, and uh, and I I reckon if you watch the last ten fifteen minutes of that grand final in '97, Manly were out on their feet, and I've got no doubt a big contributor to that were the Roosters the week before. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. We'll hand this one over to our listeners. So what do you see then when you see the Broncos team, and then what do you see in the Penrith team? Just on what you've seen in their body language, how much gas they've got left in the tank, who do you think's maybe playing grand final week a little bit different? The Panthers have been there. I mean, it's their second home over the last four years. The, the Broncos have got so much to experience this weekend. So it's an extraordinary matchup. We'll dig into that, obviously, in great detail a little bit later on. Matty's going to give us his Dally M team of the year. So in the first hour, I'll get you to give me a forwards, Matty. In the second, we'll do backs. Yep. Then we'll do coach and rookie of the year and your Dally M winner before we let you go today. We'll also talk about the good, the bad and the future of the two teams that dipped out on the weekend, the Melbourne Storm and the Warriors. But forward passes, what yeah. do we do? It's a, it's a very simple fix. It's not going to happen for the GF. Um, forget about chips and all that kind of stuff. The bunkers there, just let them do it. Yes. Um <sighs> I agree with you to an extent, Matty. Firstly, on the chips. I mean, please, no more technology. Like, it'd just be, in my opinion, it'd just be too much. Look, you've got the referee and the two touch judges there. Like, once upon a time, the touch judges, like, was such an integral part of the officiating. They've sort of just gone, with the technology and, and the bunker, they've, you know, they've sort of gone silent a little bit. Um you know, they've they got a big job there. I, I can't believe that the three of them missed that forward pass, one of the most blatant forward passes I've ever seen in the game. Matty, my only concern with the bunker is letting the devil in the door, is if you allow the bunker to, you know, to tip, then suddenly the last thing I want is basically the bunker just tipping relentlessly to the to the referee on the field, and which w- would happen. It just led to so much stop-start. I know what you're saying, and I know people are saying, but they should be able to interject for the obvious howler that's going to be missed. But, Matty, I'm just not in favour of it. I I don't like it. I just can't get over the fact that the referee, even if the referee's in bad position, the two touch judges don't see that and can just tip to the referee. I I leave it to the on-field officiating. Yeah, look, everyone always says, mate, what happens if this happens in a grand final? Yeah. Well, it happened one week away from the grand final. It, it yes. could well and truly happen next week. It happened in a game in the end that it didn't determine the outcome of the game, but it could well and truly. So they're going to have to do something about it because, you know, the, you're, you're spot on. The howler is the one that we're all trying to stop, but the yep. grand final howler is the one that will change everything. Look, Matt, Matty, it could be that you say that the, like, that the only thing they can rule on is the forward pass, right? But then someone might say, oh, well, then, yeah, missed a little knock-on here. It's it's just so murky. Uh, Matty, if you, if you bring more 
technology in the game. It's it's the lesser of two evils, Matty. Like that forward pass, okay, that happened and they completely missed, or is it that you allow the bunker to interject and you change the rule? But overall, in overall, the overall product, the overall game, is less because of what that does. It leads to the stop start uh, nature of the game. That that's what concerns me. I, I think. I, I think missing the occasional uh, howler is the lesser of two evils. Let us know your thoughts on that one, folks, on 1300-01-1170. Peter Volandes has said we should look at it, as in forward pass technology. Um, any help we can give the refs, we should. He said we any assistance that we can give them to relieve some of the pressure would be common sense, and we'll look at it during the off-season in our general review. So they're going to look at it. Um, that's a no-brainer. They would have looked at it whether that happened or not. But I just get the feeling that they're going to have to come up with an answer sooner mm. rather than later. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Matty. I, I, I fully understand it. And I can imagine Warriors, uh, Warriors supporters will be, you know, up in arms. Because, Matty, I will say this. Um, like, watching that game, that, that forward pass, that try really almost burst the Warriors' bubble. From there, the Broncos went on with it. And at, the point, at, at that point in the game, the game was in the balance. The, the Warriors were still in it. I reckon that, was, that, that try was almost like you know, the sword that, that put into the sword. Well, you know, it, it sort of killed off the Warriors to a certain extent. So it was, it was a big moment in the game. You know, don't be fooled by the final score. It was a big moment. Let us know your thoughts on that. Plenty coming in. It's uh, 17 minutes after nine on this Monday morning of the Roundup Grand Final Week. So we're going to take a look at the two teams remaining, the two teams that dipped out. Your thoughts around the Wallabies this morning. Did you get up and take a look? Um, there were some blowouts, mate, across the board. In fact, in all sports, there was a big blowout in the EPL, an 8-0 win. There was a huge blowout in the NFL. The Dolphins defeated the Broncos 70-20. to <sighs> 70 to 20 and of course uh, the Wallabies 40 points to 6 going down to Wales which is not on that scale but their biggest loss to the Welsh and their biggest loss at a Rugby World Cup we'll take our first break this morning don't forget Matty's going to give us his Dallium team of the year and who he tips wins the Dallium medal on Wednesday night all that's coming up this morning here on the Roundup welcome back time to take your calls Greg from Everton Hills is on the line morning Greg hey guys how you going good Greg Hello? You there? Gotcha. Hello? <laughs> what hey are guys, we talking about, on this, um, Oh, no, you go for it. Just on this uh, forward pass fiasco. Mm-hmm. Mate, why do we have to legislate for a mistake? An official made a mistake. If yeah. we get the bunker involved and it goes up to the bunker and the bunker makes a mistake, what do we do then? Yeah, yeah, I, got, I, I know what you're talking about. Look, I, I've already said, you know, I, I can't say any more on it. I just, you know, I, I leave it to the on-field officials and, you know, they're going to get it wrong. They yep, get, they're going to get it wrong sometimes. I don't know how they missed that, but they did. Yeah, I totally agree with you, mate. Like, people make mistakes. Yeah, yep, definitely. Mm. Yeah, they do. Yep. Good on you, Greg. Thank you. Sorry about that back and forth there, mate, but appreciate um, you call one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. So where do you reckon that leaves, Matty, the, the referee? the grand final. Um, Ashley Klein was sent to the bunker and we had Adam G and Grant Atkins in charge on the weekend. Have you got any thoughts around who gets the big one? Matty, I, not, 
Not really, mate. I I, I haven't got... I, look, I'll be honest with you. Like, we are talking about the forward pass and that sort of stuff. I don't give... You know, I don't give the referees a lot of thought. You know, who's in the pecking order. So, you know, you're probably asking the wrong bloke left. <laughs> Who gets the job? I, I'm not sure. It's a hard I, one. I'm not, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, yeah. I uh, no, I can't answer that one. I refuse yeah. to answer that one. <laughs> On the basis you may incriminate yourself. It's a, Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, we'll throw it over to our listeners. Let us know your thoughts on that. It's a, a good question to pose, but I, I'm with you. I don't know the yeah. answer. I don't I know think, which way know, they're going to go. I sort of think, you know, with grand final week coming up, I, I'd hate for most of this show this morning to be talking about officials and forward passes. Yeah, well, we're going to have to with Phil because um, he wants to have a chat about forward passes. <sighs> Righto, Phil, fire away, mate. There we go. Hey, boys, well, I reckon it's pretty simple. We all, it's all replayed. We see that there was a forward pass or there's a good chance of it. So why doesn't the bunker pick it up and just adjudicate on it and say, yeah, forward pass, let's take the play back where it was. I don't know why there's such a fuss about having to introduce new technology, etc. The worst thing that happens is we all see it on the replay and we're talking about it today. Mm. I just don't get it. Like, just say, okay, it's a forward pass, bring it back. That's a little bit of time, admittedly, but it's a much better result. Than, people, than, than, say, Maddie saying, I think, you know, it could have cost the Warriors the game or certainly lost them momentum. It just happens too often. And it's like, seems to me, it's a no-brainer solution. Yeah, well, we go down that, that, that road that Maddie's talking about. We're in that road. I, I, I'm with you, Phil. I mean, I, I think that there needs to be some sort of outcome. I don't know what it is. But for me, the outcome sitting upstairs and how we can justify that and make that work and not have us sitting around here talking about it on a Monday morning is is the best way to do it. I, I'm worried that it gets to a point where it stuffs up a big game and stuffs it up properly. And there are plenty saying that it could well have stuffed up that game. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate that. Have you got a best performer for me, Matty, from the weekend for BizCover, Business Insurance? It'll have your small business winning every time. Oh, it's got to be Reese Walsh. I'll be boring and say Reese Walsh. <laughs> he, he's just... Uh, you know, the the Reese Walsh going into State of Origin was different to the Reese Walsh coming out of Origin. The Origin experience, look, when you play, when you, when you see players go into State of Origin, and they succeed at that level, the difference it makes in their career, and that's certainly the case with Reese Walsh. You know, that that first Origin experience in Game One has just elevated his career. How was the commentary box, mate? Jumped yeah, it was all right. Yeah, yeah, it was all right. First time for about, I think, about four years I've, I've done it. So I was a little bit scratchy, but, no, you know, you just stay. I, I said to Dan Ganane, said, how are we going to do this? And I said, mate, simple. You call the game and I'll coop out of your way. <laughs> <laughs> and over to you, Cooper. It was yes. great. I mean, you know, to, to hear the insights and to take a look at, um, I think when, when I sit there, mate, and I hear the insights from Cooper and yourself, for instance, and all the experts, what what I see is that you're watching a lot of the stuff that we don't see. I mean, does, you know, does that make sense? You, you see a lot of those things that we only see in replays, and that's where the that's where the the mind of a former footballer, in particular, and very good ones, is ahead of those that sit on the lounge. Well, Maddie, like I've had, like. Um just, uh, you know, I've wasted my life on the game, to be honest. <laughs> That's what I've done. It's just, it's just dominated every part of my life. And, you know, going through, and I've said this to people before, I was very, very fortunate in my career, particularly my formative years early on. We had a, 
some of the best educators, an old fella called Alan Bell, who was a genius, and he just drilled that much information into guys like myself and Andrew, is that sometimes you just, even now, you know, I'll watch something on a, on a field or a formation start to take shape, and you can, I think of Belly, and, you know, you think of these little nuances, and, yeah, it's, it, it's just a byproduct, Matty, of just that football education I had for, for years and years. And then when you roll it into commentary, a lot of people don't realise how much commentary is a discipline. It, it's a skill, mm. it's experience, but it's a discipline. It's a craft as well. Yeah. Absolutely, Matty. And, and, you know, the thing about it is, you know, from, is that, you know, there's pictures there. You don't need to explain everything all the time. You know, you don't, you know, you don't need, you don't need me saying, you know, well, Ezra Mann passed the ball there to Reese Walsh. You go, well, yeah, he did. You know, people can see that. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Rooster Man says Matty did an awesome commentary job. Thank you for that, Rooster Man. Been passed on. He's listening right here. Matty, the speed man. of play and players often sees the touchies out of position. A few mm. sports like hockey run umpires in each half. When the ball goes past the halfway line, the other umpire takes over. Maybe four touchies. Oh, and operate this way. Better positioning for fast line breaks and kicks, says Gavo. I go back to now. Now I'm coming back to your point here, Johnsy. I'm going. Yeah. You know what? Versus four touches and technology, I think I'd rather take the mistake. Do you know what I really miss, Matty? Is that I, I miss? Do you remember? You know, for the listeners, um, some of the older listeners, do you remember the days when there was no video technology and you had the in-goal touch judges, and all of a sudden a winger's going for the corner and they leap to score. And all of a sudden, you know, the touch shows, you know, waves a flag and says, no, 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 he, he's clipped the sideline, 22-metre restart. They'd sprint up. It, like, that was, you know, when things like that happened in the game, the tempo of the game just increased so much. And I miss that. And, and that's one of the things that concerns me about having more technology. You bring more technology in, it is going to slow the game up. And as I said before, for me... That is, you know, that that's a bigger problem than missing the occasional mistake. Mm. So maybe that's the crux of what we put to our listeners here. You know, uh, would you be prepared to stop start the game more, or would you be mm. prepared to wear the mistake that comes? Yep. Because humans make mistakes. Yes. It's that simple. So and so, Maddie, what we I've never seen the game in better shape than it is at the moment. And, and the reason is is that the game, we've brought real changes in which have, which has accelerated the tempo of the game and it's brought fatigue in the game. It's loosened the game up and it's the reason why the football has been so exciting and the reason why guys like Reese Walsh and uh, Sean Johnson have just risen to the top. You know, the, the stars, the entertainers have risen to the top because of the nature of the game and how it's played at the moment. Let's go to the news. On the other side, we'll get your thoughts about the Melbourne Storm and the Warriors and also the forwards that you expect uh, will be in the running for the Dally M Awards on Wednesday night. Here's the news. Welcome back. We're going to get into a bit of Dally M uh, chat in just a second, but we'll go to the open line. Thor from Port Macquarie's on the line. The NRLW grand finalists have been sorted. Knights v yep. Titans, so Titans into their first GF in any way, shape or form in that club. Yep. Hey, g'day, Thor. Hey guys, how you going? Going good, Thor. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the NRLW. Huge Panthers fan, but I was enthralled yesterday watching that uh, Knights game, especially oh. Mika Afton. I thought it was bloody awesome. And oh, why aren't mate, they doing a full cool. home and away season in the top five? I it was that that was fantastic. And and you know, Thor, how good was it? Like yesterday at Newcastle, to see that big crowd there, like it, it's. 
it is it is a fantastic product. And, and well, I'll tell you what, Thor, I, I went to Allianz Stadium yesterday with my wife to watch the Titans and the Roosters NRLW. And, mate, it was it was a fantastic game. And uh, it was, I'll tell you what, we were there with uh, the Frizzell family and the Kelly family who own the Titans, and they invited us along. And after the game, they said, you know, come down. Would you like to come down and congratulate the girls? And, mate, the excitement in the sheds. The Titans girls were doing the song. It was just, it was awesome. I'm with you. The season has got to be longer. Uh, that's what we've got to work to. Um, but, you know, Matty, I don't, I don't know what you think. I I, I just think uh, we've got to do more with the NRLW. I think there's got to be ad campaigns and everything. I, I'm a really strong believer, Matty. With us blokes, we're almost rusted on AFL or Rugby League. Whereas... I think the opportunity to grow the game even further in the southern states, I think the NRLW is the best avenue for that. You know where you got me last week we were having this discussion was when we were talking about expansion into New Zealand, mate, and and you said, you know, let's, for Wellington, for instance, send an NRLW team, have an NRLW team in there, get the footprint. The product is fantastic. We know that. the risk is of always of getting too big too soon yes. and popping the balloon, right? So I don't think the NRL's on that path, so I don't think we've got to worry about that path. But I agree with you. The, the NRLW is a very important marketing, strategic. Um, obviously, it's got you know footprint th- right throughout the female side of the game as well. I, I There is so much upside on yep. NRLW still to come. It, it, it's... it's just fantastic and like I said before that that game yesterday at Allianz Stadium was was a ripper and the Titans you know to see them in their first grand final that club was just really really exciting and uh, yeah to cause that upset yesterday it was fantastic but yeah Matty I, I you know Wellington you know they, they've been crying out for a while they they want they want an NRL side and I think that to give them to start with an NRLW side I think would be a fantastic thing for, for Wellington but also to assess, you know, the support that Wellington get, uh, give that team as a city. So if you missed it yesterday, uh, 30 points to 24, the Knights defeated the Broncos, and then 12 nil, the Titans uh, knocked out the Roosters. There were 12,500 people up there at McDonald Jones Stadium, and then that yeah. means that the Knights play the Titans. Obviously, it's a 3:55 start on Sunday afternoon in the NRLW. Righto, mate, let's go Dally M. Let's take a look at your yep. team of the year. Um, we're going to start with the forwards. We'll go through to the backs a little bit later and we'll end up with who you think's going to be the winner. So give us your forward lineup. Well, Matty, I'll, I'll just say this, is that I am, I'm going to go a little bit different to the Dally M in the fact that there were players who aren't eligible for team of the year in the Dally M because of suspension. I'm going to throw that out. I'm just going to go, in my opinion, the best team of the year. For the forwards at lock, I've got Pat Carrigan. Um, uh, he's been just outstanding. And, you know, talk about players improving. My God, you know, his ball playing, his feature. Uh, uh, the front row, I've gone uh, Payne Hass and James Fisher-Harris. That's a pretty decent front row. Uh, the hooker, I've gone uh, Wade Egan. Egan had he was had a, a brilliant season, very, very good. My second row, um, I've gone David Fafita as, uh, as one of the uh, back rowers, and the other one is Liam Martin. Uh, so that's my pack. Uh, that's the uh, the pack. Um, Carrigan, okay. Fafita, and Liam Martin. Payne House, James Fisher-Harris, Wade Egan at hooker. 
Man, Wade Egan's one tough player, isn't he? He, he, oh, <laughs> but you know, he Maddie, just gets like, belted yeah. from pillar to post. Mate, and again, come out of that Penrith system, uh, they're just, my God, at the moment, they're just producing great players, uh, that system. I mean, it's such a big catchment there. And um, but, you know, you know, the thing about Wade, uh, Matty, and we've said this numerous times on this show, we've said about how ball playing is a, mate, it's a craft that you learn along the way and you get better at. And Egan is a perfect example of that. Like the great season that Sean Johnson has had, a lot of that can be attributed to Wade Egan and his smarts jumping out of dummy half. So why don't we do that right now on the Warriors, the good, the bad, and the future. So the good and the bad mm. from season 2023 and the future that you see in them for 24 and beyond. Matty, they, they've got a really big few months coming up. It, it's just imperative for the Warriors and for the game that they repeat what they did last year. I've seen this before. One of the, one of the things we've seen with the Warriors before is they'll have a spike out of nowhere and then they'll drop away. And the best example I can give you and I'm just trying to... It was uh, 2011, wasn't it? Last time they made a grand final. They played They played Manly um, in their grand final and lost. But Ivan was the coach of that side. And Ivan the next year uh, moved on to Penrith. And they blew him McLennan come in. And, you know, it, it, you can't be... You can't completely blame uh, uh, Bluey for this. But they just dropped off. They didn't make the finals the next season and dropped away. And since then, it's been a pretty tough decade for them. But now they've re-emerged. They've just got to repeat. Um, they've got to. They've got to cultivate. They've got to. Um, they've just got to. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. They've. They've got to build off this momentum they've created and all the goodwill. Uh, you know, as far as juniors and all that sort of stuff. This is their opportunity. We just spoke about Penrith and their junior nursery, their catchment. The Warriors need to do the same thing. Mate, they have got the junior talent there to do exactly the same as Penrith, maybe even more. Uh, they've just got to get their act into gear and put those things in place. And, and I reckon Andrew Webster is the bloke. Up until the weekend just gone, they were the story, I reckon, of 2023. I think the Broncos obviously have got their noses ahead of, of being the story, depending on what happens this week. Let's just have a listen to Andrew Webster as a summary of of the support that they've had and the season upcoming. So what do they do next time around? Boy, they're giving us the movement up the wires, all that stuff. Everywhere you go, everyone's talking about rugby league and we couldn't have done it without them. Um, sold out Mount Smart. And I don't care if you're in the South Island or the top of the North Island. They're all talking about rugby league right now. And that's that's amazing. We're really proud of that and we couldn't have done it without them. Uh, I feel like the football program's in a good position for us to launch something here and stay consistent and challenge for grand finals and win grand finals. Like Toy said, there's a lot of work to do it, though. Like We've got to come back hungry for that. And, and uh, it's got to be in our actions, not just words. And um, we're going to have a little break now, freshen up and get back to it and work hard but uh, yeah just to everyone thank you so much the whole nation the whole support even the uh, expats that, that are living here in Australia and I think there's a lot of NRL um, fans that aren't Warriors fans are now so really proud of that he's on your page Matty he's, he's right yeah. there isn't he let's harness what we've got let's appreciate what we've got take a breather and, and try and keep, keep it going yeah he's very very classy um, and you know he was asked numerous times about the forward pass and he said I just don't want to be he didn't he wasn't drawn into it he wanted to talk about the success of the season how proud he was of the side and you know and thank 
the rugby league community, not just in New Zealand and Australia, for the support they've given the team. But Maddie, you know, it's you know, it's you know, it's it's hard. Um, it's hard to repeat. This this is why it's so special. Yeah. What what Penrith are doing, like face, you know, one game, one win away from doing three in a row, mate. It it is hard to maintain, right? And that's what the Warriors. You know, that's what Andrew Webster was just talking about, right? They've got to get back to pre-season. When they get back to pre-season training, they've got to be willing to run those hills again, train hard, get themselves get themselves tip-top. Uh, I mean, the, look at the Cowboys. You know, the Cowboys were one of the stories of last season. And we anticipated in 2023 they were going to be, you know, right up to, uh, you, know, you know, basically, you know, in the last, you know, last four, a lot of people thought they could win the competition. And for whatever reason, they dropped away. And you listen to you know Todd Payton, and he said, we have to get back to the hard work. They just did not prepare as tough as the year before. And that's what the Warriors have got to do. Yeah, they've got to repeat that effort. That preseason, the preparation is everything. The good, the bad, and the future. We'll take a look at the Melbourne Storm after this grand final week right here on the Roundup. Welcome back. Let's do a Neds update with Jared Timms and, of course, a grand final preview. Thanks to Neds. Whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. Interested in the numbers, Jared. Good morning to you. What's happening for grand final odds? Winner, first try scorer, and Clive Churchill medal. Yeah, morning, Matt. Well, let's kick off with these head-to-head and line markets. Certainly not always the case that we get the best two clubs in a grand final, of course, but I think it's fair to say that's exactly what we've got this year. And as a result of that, we've already had really good interest for both head-to-head here at Matt. Uh, and Neds, I beg your pardon. That being said, uh, the Panthers, they've been here before. They know what they're doing. They're going for a hard trick. $1.62 head-to-head. Uh, the bookies have gone up with $2.30 for the Broncos, and the line is three and a half points. First try scorer, Brian Totter. He has been the most popular target for Ned's punters all season. He crossed first last week, of course, and he's a warm favourite to score the first in the grand final as well. $9. Selwyn Cobbo has certainly had admirers of his own already. He's the $10 top elect for the Broncos. But there's actually been quite a bit of interest for a few of them here. Matt Suni at Taruva is an $11 chance. Stephen Crichton and Isaac Tungo tied. $12.50 each. $13 Jesse Arthurs. And this bloke here, I think, might might be the value in first try scorer betting. Dylan Edwards, $15. Finally, the Clive Churchill medal. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the market is dominated early by the halfbacks and the fullbacks. Nathan Cleary is a $3.75 favourite to win another Clive Churchill medal here. I would not mind betting he's going to go into plenty of same-game multis this week. Uh, Reese Walsh, also popular early, $6. Adam Reynolds, I thought, might be the value in this market if you're keen on the Broncos. $7.50. Dylan Edwards, $9. Double figures and longer for the rest of them. The shortest forward is Payne Haas, $11. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm furiously scribbling these down, Timsy, to see, <laughs> see, see which way I'm going to go. Thank you, mate. We'll, we'll check in next week and uh, see what other odds we can get. Thanks to Neds as sport moves on. Appreciate your time this morning. You can download the Neds app today. Take your betting to the Neds level. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Not many surprises there, Matty. Cleary, $3.75 for Clive Churchill. Dylan Edwards, 9 bucks yeah. to go back to That's back. Great value. Great yeah. value. Uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you someone, I've just got a gut feel he's going to have a big game. And, and uh, he struggled a little bit defensively. Isaac Tunga, uh, the young centre, he's an emerging superstar. 
Um, he was out for a long time, and I thought his timing was out a little bit, particularly in defence, but it would not surprise me if he uh, turns up grand final night and has a stormer. Brian Toto, $9 for the first try, and Selwyn Cobbo, 10 bucks, and the Panthers, $1.62 favourites in this one. So uh, they're the odds, thanks to Ned. has got some news coming out of News Corp. Uh, former Dogs prop Luke Thompson heading back to the Super League. A deal with Wigan from next season. So signed with the Dogs mid-2020 and only had uh, 42 games because of injury. So Luke Thompson heading yeah. uh, back to Super League with the Warriors. Really feel for Luke. He's, uh, he came out here, he had a lot of wraps on him. He and uh, big fella Wormsley up front. You know, a lot, of, a lot of NRL clubs went after those two guys. Had great success together as a, a partnership at uh, St. Helens. Um, but he's come out, he just had injury after injury. Just didn't pan out. Um, hopefully he can return back to England and have a bit of success. Hey, here's one from Kiwi Gra- uh, Craig. I'll get your thoughts on this. He says, boys, I thought Craig Bellamy had a howler himself on Friday night, pulled Big Nelson off immediately after a five-minute rest when he put that late hit on Cleary. Surely he could have gone a few more minutes after yep. the rest. Not only that, replaced him with Harry Grant with the Panthers forwards having the same rest. It was a Spot, big, yeah. big point. Yeah, mate, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it, I, it really surprised me, Matty, the fact that if you weren't going to start Harry Grant and you're going to start Harry on the bench, I believe you had to do the same with Nelson. Because early in the game, when Nelson was rolling, uh, was rolling the Panthers pack backwards, and they were actually winning the yardage game early, Melbourne. Harry Grant's sitting on the bench, you know, sitting on his backside. He had to be out there, and to take Nelson off, I think the one forward who could bend the line back and replace him with Harry, you know, Harry just, yeah, had no momentum. He had no room to move. Yeah, and that hit galvanised the Panthers forwards as well. They said, hang on a second, we're going to protect and put a ring around our man here. And yeah. um, it certainly was a big, big turning point in the game. We need to take a break. It's six and a half minutes to ten. Right here on the Roundup on SEN. Welcome back to the Roundup on this Monday morning. So the countdown officially underway to the NRL Grand Final. It has come down to this. Can Penrith continue the giant killing run that they've been on or can the Brisbane Broncos continue that story? that they have been writing all year. We'll dig very deep into what uh, is going to unfold this weekend in the final match of the season. But before we get to that, Matty, Eddie Jones and the post-match mm. press conference. Um, I haven't heard this yet. I've, I've read little snippets. So let's hear this together and see what happened after that 40 points to six loss to Wales that has effectively ended the World Cup campaign at the earliest stage ever for the Wallabies. Did you do a job interview with uh, Japanese rugby a couple of weeks before the World Cup? If so, what was the thinking? I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Um, Eddie, do you have a second interview lined up with the JRFU? I said I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Can you give Wallabies fans your absolute 100% commitment that you will not be coach of Japan next year? I'm committed to coach Australia. Next year? I'm committed to coach Australia. That doesn't sound very definitive, Eddie. Thank you. Next question, please. We said one follow-up. I really take umbrage at the questioning that people are questioning my commitment to coaching Australia. I really take umbrage at it. Yeah, I've been working non-stop since I've come here um, and I apologise for the results. I keep saying that. But to doubt my commitment to the job I think is a bit red hot. So we're not going to deal with any of those questions any further. So I'm happy to talk about Wales. I'm happy to talk about Portugal. If you want to keep going down that line, I'll excuse myself. So do you want to decide what you want to do? 
Can you explain why you think you are the best person to continue to lead in the Wallabies forward? That's not my judgement, mate. That's you, the judgement of Rugby Australia. Are you able to explain why you, you think you are the right person to continue? Uh, well, I think I've got, I've got the ability to turn things around. You know, it's, I was hoping we'd be able to do it by now, but we haven't been able to. And as I said, I take full responsibility for it. I haven't, I haven't done a good enough job. And I'm bloody disappointed about that, mate. Eddie, are you still fully committed to this Australian project? Yeah, 100%. How? Why? Do you feel that way? I came back to Australia to, to try to help. At the moment, I'm not giving much help, am I? But that doesn't mean my commitment to, to help them has changed. You know, I'm a proud Australian. I hate to see Australian rugby do as poorly as, we're, as we've been doing, particularly under my reign came back to want to try to help, but there's, there's not only the, the Wallabies we've got to improve, we've got to improve the whole system of Australian rugby, and, and that's not an excuse, but we've just got to, we've got to have a really good look at ourselves and, and see what we've got to do to improve the way we're going about our rugby. Wow, that was a bit testy. Yeah, Matty, look, you know, I, I, I am a fan of Eddie. I, I, I like him. I, I've met him on numerous occasions and, you know, had long discussions with him about football and you know the you know he he's always you know inquiring about rugby league and attacking formations and things that they can adopt that that we do and and vice versa as well the problem like okay, I, I he probably t took the wrong side away we mentioned that before he needed some experienced guys there to steady the ship but eddie jones is not the problem with australian rugby I know the, we. Ha I think everyone saw this coming. You know, we saw at the press conference him going away. You know that that feeling, the negativity about how this campaign, how this campaign was going to pan out. It's been exactly that. But Eddie, Eddie Jones is not the problem. I agree with him entirely. It is the system. It's the system of the Wallabies. And my my information I was told from people who were close to Eddie was that he knew. It was in bad shape, Australian rugby, but he had no idea until he had his feet under the desk. Mm, yeah, and I think those involved in rugby have known that for a long time. I, I saw a tweet from David Campisi this morning. In fact, I took a screenshot of it. Shot of it. He said, rock bottom for the Wallabies. I've been predicting this for years after seeing the lack of rugby IQ and skills in grassroots in Australia. I've been warning the powers that be, but nobody listens. So you can imagine mm. the fallout here. And I, I think everybody understands that there's a bigger problem at play here in rugby in this country, and it's going to take yep. years to fix up. The immediate problem is Eddie's. And the immediate yep. problem that he faces is this story about the Japanese um, mm. Zoom meeting about the you know, the, the position of coach and whether or not he did it. The immediate problem that he's got here is the journalist who broke it, Tom Deeson, has come out and said this is 100% correct. 100% correct. Backed himself. Eddie's saying, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. So for him to deny it is one thing. And I also read something from Steve War, uh, not Steve War, pardon me, Phil War, who's the Rugby Australia CEO. I'll read you a couple of quotes. He said, I haven't spoken to Japan yet but I don't think it's sort of my space to go over and ask other governing bodies who they're talking to and what they're up to. I don't agree with that at all. Phil Wars, the CEO of Rugby Australia, he employs Eddie Jones. They should be damn well going over to other governing bodies and saying, why are you talking to our coach? He yes. said, I'm taking Eddie for what he said, and in fact, he's denied it. We move forward and keep pushing on. So I agree with you, mate. There's a bigger problem, mm. and those in Rugby Australia and those in Australian rugby know there's a bigger problem. 
but there's an immediate problem here, and it's yes. coming down like a house of cards on yes. Eddie Jones. Yeah, yep, no doubt about it, Matty. Mm, it's it's, uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting, interesting few days. Gen- <laughs> um, you know, Matty, um, I've seen this. You know, I've, I've, you know, when you talk about the system is wrong, you know, we're, we're fingers crossed it's not a false dawn, but you know, we're coming out of that to an extent with the Newcastle Knights, where the system was broke. Right, we had young guys who were coming through the ranks. Uh, people were saying this kid's the next big thing, and suddenly they got into first grade, and some of the kids they just didn't know how to play football or didn't know how to play successful football. There was a problem in the coaching. There was a problem in the pathways. We've had to, the Knights have had to address that. Probably the most, one of the most damning things, is that the Newcastle Knights in the last, you know, 15 years is that we've had kids in our system, some young blokes who weren't performing, and suddenly they get picked up by another club and turn into stars. And that's a problem. That was a problem in our system. And it's like that with the Wallabies, you know. And hopefully for the Wallabies, it doesn't take as long to turn around as it did for the Newcastle Knights. But, mate, it's a tough road. It's a tough, a tough road to turn that around. It's funny, Phil Gould used to say all the time, he said... It takes at least two years to build a good culture, and it only takes six months to tear it down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Righto, the good, the bad, and the future. You've given us your rundown on where you think the Warriors have been and where they're going. What about the Melbourne Storm? So the other team mm. to dip out on the weekend. Matty, yeah, do you know, Matty? Um, I'll preface this by saying that in the last. You know, 15, 20 years. I reckon the Melbourne Storm have been eulogised, or this era of dominance have been eulogised five or six times, and they've always come back and proven you know, proven every, everybody wrong. But this is going to be a real challenge. They've got some recruitment to do. They need to find two big explosive forwards, and they need to find some speed in the outside backs. Now, that is that's difficult. When the Dolphins come in, you know, they're in a pool with a lot of sides. There's a number of sides that need that, and they're competing with that. The other thing on top of that is they've got Craig Bellamy going into his final season. It's a real... They're in a transitional phase, the the Melbourne Storm. Um, I thought at the back end of the year, I thought they looked really, really tired. I thought the pack looked particularly one-paced at the back end of the season, and that's a problem. And it just shows you the old principle of rugby league is the fact that it doesn't matter who you got in your spine. It doesn't matter who your creative players are, your seven, six, and nine, and one. If your forwards aren't bending the defence line back and playing the ball quick and creating space, there's no room for them to move. It, do, it, it doesn't matter. You're only as good as you go forward and the, and, the, and the space and time they create. And that was just in evidence with the Melbourne Storm. Right at the back end of the year, we didn't see... We didn't see the same Cameron Munster. We didn't see the same Harry Grant because the forwards weren't doing the job. Well, we heard from Andrew Webster as we wrapped up the Warriors' season. What about Craig Bellamy? The old game tonight was probably a, a small example of what we've been dishing up all year. You know, up and down, up and down, inconsistency. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if, if we didn't know that, before night, we learned a good lesson tonight and hopefully uh, we might be able to take something out of it the next season. Yeah, like I say, I think it took us a little while to, to know what our best footy was, you know, what, what worked for us. Um, you know, 
we had a bit of a change in personnel um, in the off season, so that took us a little bit, a little while. I think we done a real good job to get to where we got to on the table, but you know, as I said, the you know the final series is just basically what our season has been up and down, up and down. If there's one word that jumps out at me there, and you know Craig Bellamy much better than than most of us, is the is the one thing that's going to do his head in inconsistency. It does most coaches head yeah. in, but especially somebody yeah. like Craig Bellamy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you can hear the disappointment there. You know, Matty, Matty uh, you know, he said we had a lot of guys that came into the side this year. Um, and I'm trying to think of the words. I don't know if he said it didn't quite work out. But, you know, young Trent Liero come into the side. You know, he's a good young player developing. But I thought that in a lot of those big games towards the back end, you know, he, he struggled with his experience there. It hasn't been... You know, hasn't been, um, hasn't experienced that level of football and the speed. I thought Tarek Sims really struggled this year. You know, it's it's funny when Tarek went to the Melbourne Storm, everybody said, "Well, here we go. He's going to be one of those players that, you know, been struggling in a club, goes to the Melbourne Storm, suddenly turns into a, a star." Wasn't the case with with Tarek. I thought he struggled a little bit. And you know, young Katoa, they got uh, Eli Katoa from the Warriors, and he, you know, he was good in. In patches, I thought he started the season really well. I thought at the back end, I thought I thought in the final series, um, very similar to young Trent, is that he hasn't experienced that level of football, and he I thought he struggled with it. Make sure you stick around. It's quarter past ten. We'll take a break. On the other side, we'll get Matty's backs in his team of the year. So we've given you the forwards. I'll run through those after the break, and then we'll get one through to seven. Stick around. Just on the text line, Dirty Flamingo's got a bit of a uh, solution to Rugby Australia's problems. He says, now's the time for the NRL to purchase Rugby Australia and turn it around. They're looking for investors. I mean, <laughs> That'd be something. Do you want well, to go I mean, near that one? <laughs> not, a bad, not a bad idea, mate. You, you purchase it and say, listen, we'll, 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 just, we'll maybe just uh, buy the players. <laughs> purchase it, keep the players, and you can have the rest back. Uh, Ryder, let's do team of the year. So your forwards yeah. that you've given us, um, your front rowers, Payne Haas, Wade Egan at hooker and James Fisher-Harris. Then your second rowers, David Fafita and Liam Martin and Paddy Carrigan is your lock. So let's look one through to seven. Who have you got as your backs? Well, fullback, I tell you what, there's some, uh, some good nominees there. You could easily go Dylan Edwards and Caelan Ponga was brilliant, but you've got to go Reese Walsh. Um, I... I Matty, I don't know. I've, I was thinking before about great fullback seasons, and one that came to mind was Billy Slater in 2017, where he came, returned from that shoulder injury, and won absolutely everything. Uh, the other one I thought about was Mullins in 1994, had that freakish season. Again, won Brent everything. Mullins. Yeah, Brett Mullins. Um, yeah. Oh, but I'm going, I'll, I'll go Reese Walsh. He. Uh, at fullback and you know and that first year impact they bought him for an impact to turn things around like they did the Broncos with Glenn Lazarus in 92 and he has done that he's he's just put the swagger back into the Broncos on the wings Dullin Wateen Zalesniak had a phenomenal season and Dom Young I've gone uh, the Knights boy Dom Young who unfortunately um, he's off to uh, the Roosters uh, the Knights players tell me that Basically, he was very, very emotional after their last game, uh, leaving the club. He's been brilliant for the Knights. The centres, Herbie Farnworth, what a player. He was he was fantastic on uh, Saturday night. And Stephen Crichton, 
is the other centre. Crichton was, in my opinion, our our best player uh, during the State of Origin series, and he continued that on through uh, the back half of the year. The 5-8, I've gone Ezra Mam. Ezra has been a perfect foil for uh, Adam, Adam Reynolds, uh, where Reynolds just controls everything, plays nice and straight, and Mam and Reese Walsh, just, you know, they're very much cut-and-thrust players. And the halfback, um, I've gone Sean Johnson. You know, there's a case for Nathan Cleary, for Reynolds, but I'm, I'm going to go Johnson. Once again, he, we've said so much, you know, almost become a cliche. What a season Sean Johnson has, has, has had and is having. But uh, clearly, uh, he's my clear pick for, for the seven jersey. Which shows you the kind of year that he's had when he can go over the top of somebody like Nathan Cleary at the moment, who is yeah, at the age yeah. of 25, mate, in... In some kind of form. So Reese Walsh at fullback, um, Dallin Watini, Zelezniak, and Dom Young are your wingers. Herbie Farnworth and Stephen Crichton in the centres. Ezra Mam uh, at 5'8, and in the number seven, it is Sean Johnson. So just a reminder if you've only just tuned in, this is Maddie's team of the year, as opposed to the Dally M team of the year, um, just throwing in all of those. It doesn't matter if you've been suspended or whatever. You're, you're eligible to play in this team. What about rookie of the year? I t- look, Matty, he's not nominated in the Dally M's, but I've gone Jacob Preston. Uh, Jacob Preston, we, we had the show on Saturday night leading into the, to, uh, the Warriors-Broncos. and um, I made the point, I said, if Jacob Preston was 25, he'd be the captain of the Bulldogs. And he will be the captain of the Bulldogs, I think, sooner rather than later even. I thought he had a fantastic uh, rookie season in difficult circumstances. Uh, but he's going to be, a, he's gonna be a, a, a very, very good player for a long time. The good, the bad, and the future then. A random question or question without notice on the Bulldogs. Uh, Matty, still, in my opinion, still two years away from playing finals football. Um, but what should encourage the Bulldogs supporters is that just have a look at the last two places where Phil Gould has been. Firstly, the Warriors. Remember, he had a short he had a short stint at the Warriors, put some things in place and left. wasn't there a long time, but he put some certain things in place, which I think has um, has contributed to the current success. But the big one was what he put in place at the Panthers. Now I know he left. In sort of you know with circumstances of Ivan coming back and all that, but what what he put in place there um, can't be underestimated. The centre of excellence, but just cultivated that junior base. You know they had lost, you know for such an amazing junior catchment, the Panthers had lost their way. When Gus went there, he reengaged that, and uh, they're enjoying the spoils. So that leaves us coach of the year. Uh, Andrew Webster. Yep. You know it's, you know it's tough on Kevy and particularly tough on Ivan because you know Ivan going for three in a row. But I just think what Andrew Webster, you know, he arrived there, the amount of work he had to do, and uh, he 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 was fantastic. So Andrew Webster, coach of the year, rookie Jacob Preston, one through to thirteen. We'll put on our uh, socials as well, and I'll I'll run you through those a little bit later. Again, which, of course, takes us to Player of the Year, which I'll get after the 10.30 news. But before that, the the question around 
the Dally M's on Wednesday night and those that have been ruled ineligible because of the suspensions. Would you rather toss that out the window or do you think there's a place for that in the awards? It is best and fairest. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, I, I just think, Maddie, if someone is on the end of a long suspension, gets suspended for six or seven weeks, to be honest, they're not going to win it. Anyway, you know, they won't poll on our votes. I, look, I, I think you just... It's the best players, you know. Just, you know, I I, I don't... You know, I'm not in favour of the fact that, you know, Reese Walsh copped a suspension or got sent off and it makes him ineligible. I, yeah, I, I think... Uh, yeah, scrap that. Just pick the, you know, select the best players. I've got to be honest. I'm guilty of thinking that that's the way it's been and that's the way it is. And then it, it mm. you know, it's there every, it's there in front of us. But I've never put any thought into it. And then last week, I think one of our listeners raised it, and I went, you know what, you're right. You're, mm. Does it really matter that Reese Walsh got what three weeks? Um, yeah. There was a, a, abuse, all that kind of stuff. Does does that really matter? Because you're essentially by getting ruled out of an award at the end of the season being um, fined or penalised, mm. not fined, penalised twice. Yeah. yeah, that's right. No, I, I'm I, definitely, Matty, I, I'd like to see it scrapped. Yeah, get rid of it. 0457 736 736. Did you pay any attention to AFL? Uh, um, yes. Come on, be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, look, Matty, I, I had listened to... Uh, I listened to the the back end of the GWS game and felt for the GWS players. I, I got home and and turned it on and saw the scenes of Toby Green being really emotional after the game. Yeah, um, yeah that 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 was that was that was a tough one for GWS. Uh, but geez, I tell you, they've been successful. You know, and Webby wrote about it last Friday about all the success, but not a lot of impact. But you know, that that's the players have done their jobs. They've they've been brilliant. Uh, and I watched early on. I, I would have. Uh, I watched Carlton Brisbane. I loved. I, I love what uh, Carlton have done this year. I spoke to John O'Brown halfway through the year, when, you know, they were struggling, um, Carlton. And I said, "How's your mate Vossi going?" And uh, he said, "Maddie, I'm telling you now." He said he's going to turn them around. He said when they really get going, he said they're going to be so difficult to beat. And, yeah, and, mate, that they should have won. They should have went through. They got off to that great start, and but they blew it. So Collingwood defeated the Giants by the single point, and the Lions got over the top of Carlton. So we've got the Brisbane Lions and the Brisbane Broncos uh, into the grand finals this weekend. I, I got into it. It's Look, I, I've covered enough AFL over my lifetime and grand finals as well. I'm not a week-in, week-out of AFL, but I reckon AFL finals footy is, mm. is just about oh, must-see. Yeah. If you can squeeze it into your schedule, it is must-see. Bulldog Bob says, Matty, I think... Jacob Preston was ruled ineligible for Rookie of the Year because of that suspension for the hip drop um, on Jackson Hastings. Yeah, well, we're taking that off the table, Bulldog Bob. That's that's the sort of free reign that we can have here, and that's why Matty's picked him as his Rookie of the Year. We need to get to the 10.30 news. Final half hour of the roundup coming up, so we'll get Matty Johns' Player of the Year, and we'll take a good look at the grand final and find out who's going to win on Sunday night. Let's go straight to the open line. Uh, got a few callers on the line, Matty. Jace from North Parramatta. Uh, was that Jersey Flegg and New South Wales Cup Grand Final yesterday? How was it, Jace? Oh, it was excellent. It was excellent. Morning, morning, both the Matties. Um, yes, it was. It was great. I was supporting my uh, nephew who was playing in the Jersey Flegg for uh, the Roosters. They unfortunately uh, lost to the Bulldogs. 
But um, it was a wonderful, wonderful day of uh, rugby league. I'd watched uh, Jersey Flag a couple of times this year. And as Matty Johns had mentioned about the end goal judge, so that's what they run with at those younger younger grades. And as Matty said, it runs really smoothly. Like uh, the t- decisions are very quickly made. Um, no one carries on about anything. You just just move on to the next, um, yeah, the next play. But uh, no, it was it was great yesterday because they were at Combank Stadium. They had the use of the large screen. So you yep. could see that there was a big difference. So they actually had some video intervention and it, it really kills momentum and all of that. So, yeah, that's all I've got yeah. to say, boys. Uh, good on you, Jace. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, well done to the dogs. Yeah, uh, uh, mate, that, you know, and that's just what we were talking about before there, Jace, about, you know, for Bulldogs fans, don't worry, there, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's some good stuff uh, going to happen in the next couple of years. Of course, Stephen Crichton off to the Bulldogs next year. Uh, been well done to the Rabbitohs too. Won the New South Wales Cup, uh, beating the, the North Sydney Bears. Some good footballers in that game. I tell you, what I really like Matty. I'm a big fan of young Talis Duncan, uh, yeah. the young 13 at, at South Sydney. Geez, a good player. Big raps. Good on you, Jace. Thank you for that, James. You're up next. Uh, we've had a bit of a discussion around the forward passes and all that, but you, you can you can buy in. Yeah, okay. Well, first of all, Matty Johns, you can get stuck with your buddies South Sydney beating the Bears, all right? So, sorry, stop mate. Going uh, on about come that. out swinging, James, uh, eh? Uh, p- apologies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay. Okay. Now, onto the serious stuff. Now, you mentioned before, insinuated in the days gone by, the touchies, you know, they had more of a say. If you were employed by the, or you went to the NRL, you're employed by the NRL, and you had a job vacancy for a touch judge. What would you put down as a job description? What is their actual mm. job? What are they supposed to do? And if so, why aren't they doing it now? Yeah. Well, do you remember the criticism that used to get levelled a little bit at the touchies when I remember Martin Weeks, who used to get the nickname TV Weeks because they reckon he always used to come onto the field just so he could get his yeah. you know, head on the box. But, like, I just think they should have a greater role. You know, do you call them touch judges or do you call them assistant referees? But... You know, I certainly think they can have a greater presence. They've got the microphones at the top of the flags. You know, maybe they can. You know, they should be tipping more to the ref. Um, yeah, it's a good point. I've got a, mate, I'll tell you, I've got a story for you on the North Sydney Bears, right? Is it, you'll like this. So in 1992, myself and Andrew were sort of young guys just sort of coming through the grades. Newcastle had a mile of halves. Anyway, we got a call from someone... I won't say the name, but he was involved with the North Sydney club. And he said, mate, we're keen to get you and your brother to the club, you know. And anyway, we didn't have a manager back then, so I'm doing all the negotiating. And I said, just a question, firstly. Uh, uh, I said, you've got Greg Florimo and Jason Taylor there. I said, you know, me and Andrew play in the halves, so, you know, what are you thinking? He said, well, Matthew, you know, if you look at Greg Florimo, he's big enough to play in the forward, so we're going to play him 13 and you 6. I said, well, okay, but what about... You know, Andrew and Jason Taylor, well, they said, well, we've had a good look at your brother, and in our opinion, he's a centre. And I said, well, it's been nice talking to you. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> hey, were you there, Matty? Oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Matty? Yep. All right, yeah, I'll give you a story. All right, I'm up. I'm Mexican. First time I got moved up here to Sydney, uh, yep. and one of the guys I worked with, his son took me to the first game of rugby league. It was North versus Newcastle. 
So we had a few before, and we're sitting in the members, and I'm going cheering away, and uh, they're going, I'll see how the North dropped the ball. We don't do that. And I was halfway through the first half, and I went, um, excuse me, um, what colour is North Sydney? <laughs> How many did you have before you got there, James? <laughs> oh, yeah, we were a bit happy, yeah. And then I yeah, got told yeah. to shut up because I kept saying Newcastle instead of Newcastle or Newcastle instead oh, of Newcastle. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, I yeah. Up. Mate, I, uh, I tell you, James, I was at North Sydney Oval oh, about three weeks ago. Um, went over to, and mate went over to Percy's beforehand. What? How good was that? Like back in the old days, Matty, we used to get there sometimes. And you, you, you got a clock. We'd finish the game, and you'd have about an hour to have a shower and and whatnot, and get on the bus back to Newcastle. Well, when we played North Sydney, a lot of times we didn't worry about the shower. We just come off the field, you know, take the boots off, straight over to Percy's, jam as many as we could into us, and on the bus back home. <laughs> For the ride up the up the F3, as it was called back then. Thank you, James. Good stories, mate. Good memories as well. I mean, North Sydney Oval was a punish too because it was so hard, wasn't it, with the, oh, with the yeah. um, cricket pitch in the centre? Yeah, I nearly did my ACL. I did my um, uh, posterior cruciate on there one day. We're playing, we're playing the Bears in 94. First half, perfectly uh, dry and sunny. I've got the moulded soles on. Uh, came out in the second half and suddenly it starts hosing down and the pitch... That pitch area, it was like an ice skating ring, and I skid and skid and did my uh, posterior cruciate. Well, they thought it was the anterior at first, but uh, I was lucky I escaped that uh, that season, Ander. Uh, yeah, let's go back to the phones. Pedro the Rooster. Good morning, Pedro. What have you got for us this morning? Hey, Maddie and Maddie. I, I believe that's Pedro. called a uh, bumlidge, a bumlidge, Matt. Uh, it's a technical term for, for that injury. You did a bumlidge. Oh, bumlidge. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Hey, just listening, and, and I saw that forward pass like everyone else did, and, and we don't want to make it any harder for, for the referees. I was just thinking, um, the touch judges, God knows what they do, do, but the referees generally look over at the touch judge for approval. Mm. Did you spot anything before they blow the whistle? Why couldn't the bunker have a direct line to the touch judge going, mate, that looked a bit sus, let me have another look at it, the touch judge puts up his flag in the interim. The bunker's having a squeeze. He comes in and says, mate, he's just having a look. There was a pretty nasty forward pass. The yep. bunker comes in and said, yes, it looks really bad. Mate, don't give it. It takes Pe- the pressure away from the referee a little bit. What do you Pe- reckon? Pedro, you know, you know, Pedro, you're right. If I would, I'd have no problem with that if, when this is difficult to do, to say, like, just as long as the bunker doesn't get carried away. And every single time we see, a, you know, a slight infringement, or they're in the referee or the touch judge's ears all the time. It, you know, I suppose a lot of times people, you know, people go, oh, they should be able to interject with the absolute howler. But, you know, what is an absolute howler and what isn't? You know, you would, you would argue sometimes a very minuscule little, you know, little fumble of the ball, the slight knock on, you know, if it's, if it's on grand final day. It, it could be classed as an absolute howler. I just don't know where the line is, Matty, if you know what I mean, of where they interject and, and where they don't. That That's my problem. I'll tell you what I what I said. I, I was watching the game with my wife, and I, I looked at her and I said, and I wasn't I wasn't blowing up at it because I, I, get that, I get that humans make mistakes, right? And we're yep. leaving this one in the hands of humans at the moment. And I get your argument, too, that we don't want to stop it too much. But I looked yep. at it and I said, this is a bloody billion-dollar game. 
Yeah. This is a, you know, something's got to give here. So I don't know what the answer is because some will some will go, I'm okay with it going to the bunker. Others will go, for God's sake, stop stopping yeah. the game. So yeah. the game itself is, I think it's got its has got a duty of care to itself to say, we've got this great product. We don't want to stuff it up. And I'm all for what Peter Volandi said. Let's go away and have a good think about it because the one thing that he does very well is he listens. And sure he listens does. to the people that are saying this is crazy. Um, 0457 736 736. We need to take a break. Thank you, Pedro. Thank you to all of our callers. After this, we'll get Maddie's Player of the Year and we'll take a look at the grand final. All right, Matty, uh, we're running out of time in terms of trying to squeeze everything in. So why don't we take a look at the grand final? I'm going to hold off on your final player of the year prediction. So the grand final coming up Sunday night. So Panthers beat Broncos. They've met each other twice this year. Broncos beat the Panthers by the one point in round one. And the Panthers returned the favour in round 12. But we're talking about a Penrith side that has just been so dominant against a Broncos side that will be in their first decider since 2015. How do you read this? Matty, my son said, to, my son Jack said to me yesterday, who's going to win? And I couldn't answer him. Honestly, I sat there. There's, I don't know how the bookmakers have you know, got Penrith uh, as favourites. For me, honestly, it, it is a flip of the coin. I'll, I will go for Penrith. On grand final experience, um, I think Penrith are playing the best uh, football that they've played during their era of dominance of late. Uh, Cleary's been excellent, uh, but the Broncos, mate, they're getting better and better all the time. There's no doubt about it. They continue to improve. The clash through the middle, Matty, I've seen some great cl- clashes over the years. Chief versus Spud, Lazo versus Blocker, so on and so forth. But James Fisher-Harris, Moses Leota versus Pat Carrigan and Payne Haas, in my opinion, will be the best middle battle that we've ever seen. It's going to be that. It'll be ferocious. Uh, then you've got Dylan Edwards, who'll just drill through the middle. Uh, Reese Walsh, who'll play on the edges. But I am, look, I will. I'll, I'll, go for, I'll go for Penrith in a really tight one. They've just got so much experience in these sort of games, and uh, I think they'll get the job done. What about the Battle of the Halves? And in particular, the battle of the sevens. Yeah, it look. Nathan, I'll tell you something about Nathan, right now. Nathan has, I think he's just getting an understanding of, and I've got to be careful here. Don't say, no, no. How great he is, how a great a player he is. He's getting a, he's getting a full understanding of it, as opposed to where you see Reese Walsh has got natural swagger. Right, and, he, and he wears it on the outside. I'm watching Nathan. Nathan has got his own style of swagger inside him. I'm, I'm just watching him this year. I've, watched, I've listened to him at press conferences. He is acutely aware of how good he is. Um, and his last two performances have been imperial. He's been so good. Uh, Adam Reynolds, wow. One of, if you talk about the greatest signings in Broncos history, you talk about Glenn Lazarus and I suppose Trevor Gilmeister, who Wayne got there to give some steel in the pack. Reese Walsh is in the argument as well. You've got to talk about Adam Reynolds. Adam Reynolds, the legacy he will leave at two great clubs uh, is, is pretty immense. Uh, look, you know, incredible season, but as I said before, I'm, I'm just leaning towards Penrith. And that battle up the middle that you've focused on <laughs> will obviously go a long way to determining what happens on Sunday night. 
if mm. you're Brisbane in particular and you're looking for something to try and knock Penrith off their off their kilter yep. a little bit, just upset the spirit level, what do you do? Because when you look at Brisbane, they do that anyway. They play so fast. They push the edges. Yep. They go from side to side. They can play east-west. They can kick over. The, they can do all that. What else have they got, you reckon, or do they need, and do they need anything to try and whack them off a little bit? Matty, uh, interesting choice of words there, Matty. But, yes, uh, thanks for that. <laughs> uh, mate, uh, <laughs> I, Matty, look, I'll come back to my point I said before about the Melbourne Storm. I know. It doesn't matter who your spine is. If you're not winning the yardage battle, if your forwards aren't getting ascendancy and giving space and time, it, it doesn't matter who's wearing your seven and six. Uh, if the Broncos are going to win this, if they're going to disrupt Penrith, you've got to disrupt Nathan. Okay, how do you get to Nathan? By stopping James Fisher, Harrison, Leota. They've got to do the job in the middle. All right. and, and Penrith have... Uh, I'm sorry, the Broncos have got the... They've got a pack that is capable of doing that. But they've got to consistently stop the Penrith players getting forward. And that is, that's not just Fisher, Harrison, Leota. It's Dylan Edwards jumping in around the rucks all the time. That's what you've got to stop. If you can stop that, if you can do a job on those guys in the middle, then you put yourself in with a big chance. In the biggest of big games, you, there, there's quite often somebody, Matty, who will, who will pop up that we're not having a good look at, who's not the obvious favourite for a Clive Churchill medal or a first try scorer. When you look across these two teams, is there a Smokey in there who we're going to get to Monday morning and go, Jesus, why didn't we think about that bloke? Yeah, a Smokey. Well, for Brisbane, um, like an Ezra Mam. Well, he, he's another one for you. And, and geez, I'd tell you what, I'd love to see him get the Clive Churchill. But Billy Walters. Like Billy Walters has been so unheralded this year. Mate, he just cleans up everything in the middle of the field for the Broncos. Two tries, best game of his career the other night. Um you know, uh, Ezra Mam, as I mentioned before, he's very capable. The one, look, the bloke that I really like, and, and I've said this a few times, is Isaac Tunga. I just think this kid's got something really special about him. He would have been, in my opinion, he'd have been dirty on himself with his performance the other night. It's his first game back from, from injury. He'd be far better second up. And I think he'll have a big game. He's in the centres. You know, I, I, I understand that. You know, and centres are a lot, you know, it's a lot more difficult than Clive Churchill medal in the centres as, as opposed to playing in the middle of the field. But he's about $31, Isaac Tungo. Just have a couple of bucks on him. Have a little look-see there. And just quickly, a final one then on the coach's box. Uh, boxes. We saw saw a smile from Kevy Walters the other night. He, he let himself enjoy it for a, for a nanosecond, which the cameras captured, which was awesome. But this is Kevy and his experience and knowledge and know-how and desire to win versus Ivan, who's been there as well and, and done it before and and mm. has just overseen the empire. Well, Ivan's done it before as a uh, as a coach. He knows what it uh, he knows what it takes, of course. But mate, Kevy. Right, let's talk about Kevy Walters. You know, his experience in big games and in grand finals as a player. Uh, wins the competition with the Raiders in 89, comes off the bench. Wins with the Broncos in 92 and 93. Wins with the Broncos in 97. Wins with the Broncos in 98. And wins with the Broncos in 2000 without Alfie Langer alongside him. So, Kevy knows a lot about winning these big games as well. Yeah, absolutely. Righto, we need to take our final break on the roundup. On the other side, we'll wrap it up with Matty's Player of the Year.
Final segment of the roundup on this Monday morning. The show continues for the next hour before we get to Jimmy Smith later on this afternoon. I'll be joined by James Horwell, um, who will recap and um, talk about the fallout of what's happened to the Wallabies this morning. But before we do that, before we let you go, Maddie, so you've got Penrith winning the grand final uh, on Sunday night. You've given us your one through 13, your coach of the year in Andrew Webster, your rookie of the year in Jacob Preston. Who's your player of 2023? Well, it's Sean Johnson, Matty. He's been one of the storylines of all season. Uh, it was just about like, Andrew Webster ring him at the start of the year and said, Sean, you know, uh, is your heart in it? You know, are, are, you know, are you keen to go around again? And he assured him he uh, he was, and he, he sure was. Um, fantastic season for Sean. He, the best in his career. Uh, ironic, isn't it? You know, when he's lost a metre or two, he actually made him better. So, uh, yep, Sean Johnson, Player of the Year. All right. Next time we speak, mate, it will be the day after the GF. So uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy all the work that's coming your way and uh, enjoy Sunday night as well. We'll do it again next week. Yeah, good on you, Matty, and uh, enjoy the game, everyone. Matty Johns there for the roundup. Stick around here on SEN. Uh, plenty coming your way. Our Monday sports scoreboard as well. Wrap all the latest overnight news from around the world coming up soon.